you're a guest with us, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Dominic, and around here we like to say that um, Missio exists to be an authentic community that makes Jesus Christ fully known so that others can come to fully know him. And as I look around, I see some guest faces, and I already got to meet some, but however you found us today, we're glad that you're here. We hope that uh, through all that we do, through all that we say, through the people that you meet, the songs we sing, the word being opened, uh, that you'll be encouraged in following Jesus and growing as a disciple of his. So we're, we're glad that you're here. Um, normally, I have the privilege uh, most weeks of opening the word and, and teaching, um, but today, um, that privilege is not mine. Uh, we're giving it to someone else, and I'm really excited about that. Um, a couple in our church, Matt and Jess, um, Jess Chin got to meet uh, Monica Zuniga a few months back. Um, at a conference, and when she came back, she had uh, just said, hey, you gotta, you got to meet this gal and kind of some of the people she runs with, and so Monica and I have been kind of developing a relationship just over the phone, talking a little bit and um, getting to know each other, and uh, she's here this weekend. She did a, a seminar with our, our women yesterday. It was really powerful. Um, had a chance to just hike and hear her testimony and her story, um, but Monica is just a faithful follower of Jesus, God's done some really cool things to transform her life and give her vision for how she's called to make Christ known in this world. And she launched a ministry a number of years back called We Are Unveiled. And God's using Monica and her team and the ministry uh, to help women live and experience freedom in Christ and tell their stories uh, so that people are becoming disciples of Jesus all over the world, literally through the platform that that God's given them. And so uh, this afternoon, I'm really excited to have uh, Monica come up and teach and just share her heart and share from a scripture. Uh, it, it, this, this will fall, the beautiful thing is this will fall right in line if you've been here this summer uh, as part of the Being Made New series. This falls right in line. It's really cool how God's kind of streamlined and dovetailed, put that all together. But I'm going to invite Monica up. Will you guys welcome her? And I'm just going to pray for you in our time, and, uh, and then I'll give it to you, and the privilege is yours. All right, it's cool? Yeah. Father, thank you so much for uh, today. Thank you that, Lord, today your mercies are new, your love is unfailing, and God, you're faithful like none other. And so, God, we do, we come here to worship you, we come here to praise you, we come here, God, because by your grace you have given us the, the beautiful, beautiful, and amazing calling and identity as your kids, your sons and daughters. And so, God, we come freely in that identity uh, to meet with you, to connect with you, uh, to hear from you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that um, your word says that you made him who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf in order that we might become the righteousness of God. And so thank you, God, that as we sit, as we stand, as we're here together, uh, you see us as righteous. We see us as your sons and daughters. And so I just pray that that would be the, the mindset, the heart set that we have today, and we would be sitting, listening, yes, to Monica's words, but even more so, listening to your heart, Father, expressed through Monica and through your scriptures today towards us as your kids. And so, God, we receive and love that which you're going to impart to us in love today through Monica. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill her, you'd bless her, her thoughts and her words uh, in order to speak the words of life, the words of Christ to us. We receive that, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, guys. What's going on? I like to say that we're family because we're family today. We're family forever. We're going to be in eternity together, so we may not look the same, sound the same. I'm from Texas. I'm going to say y'all a lot. I'm Latina. I might, you know, throw a little Spanish in here to mix it up for you guys. But either way, I want you guys to feel and just resonate with this message today on a level of a friend, of a peer, of someone who's just like you. I'm here today having the privilege, the opportunity 
to just expound upon what God's done in my life and what he's taught me and shown me simply because I've chosen to walk in faithful obedience to him. And obedience is really hard. It's not an easy task and not an easy thing to do. And many of you here today walked in today carrying multiple things, whether you were uh, struggling to get here today, maybe your marriage is not going that well, maybe you feel super disconnected from God, maybe you feel really disconnected to community and you're really trying hard to connect to people here, but you're not finding that. Well, today my prayer and my hope is that through the message that I feel God really gave me for you guys, uh, specifically you people, as I prayed and just talked to him and convened with him and said, what do you want the people of Missio in Portland to hear? I'm not a Portland gal. Like, it's my first time I'm here. I've been to Seattle and I'm like, okay, first of all, you guys got great nature. Secondly, you can breathe here. It was 97 in Texas and humid. Okay. I stepped out of the airport and I was like, I can breathe. Thank you, God. I'm going to go on a run tomorrow. Um, you guys have so many different things. People are super nice here, which freaked me out at first. I was like, oh, is this guy flirting with me or is he just nice? Like, I really don't know what's happening here. I'm not sure, but you guys are in a total different context, a total different place. But what's amazing is that the Bible is still applicable right here today in your world, even though I'm a Texan and you are a Portlandian. What do you guys call yourselves? Is that it? Does that work? So, um, yeah, long intro. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and then we're going to read some scripture and dive into it. Today we're going to be talking about living a life unveiled. Super fitting. If I talk too fast, somebody just wave at me because I'm like a go, go, go type gal. Um, so I'm from Dallas, uh, born and raised in Texas. I grew up in the church. I have a prodigal son story. I left my faith after college um, because I was like, God, I've done so much for you and you've done nothing for me. That was the lie I believed. And um, ended up knowing I had a call to ministry my whole life. My parents really spoke that over me. But I ended up pursuing a, a career in the corporate world, was making six figures by 24. Um, woke up one day, had everything you can imagine, and was like, I hate my life. <laughs> and uh, I have no purpose. I have no friends, no community. So I prayed uh, for the first time in like two years, and the Lord really spoke to me that day. And so I said, okay, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And um, I grew up pretty conservative, y'all. I don't know about y'all's faith or if you grew up Christian or not, but I grew up in a church where it was like, you don't raise your hands, um, you don't dance, um, there's a lot of rules that you follow. And so on July 9th, 2013, when I said, God, I'll be obedient to whatever you ask me to do, suddenly freaky stuff started happening. You know, he started speaking to me and people were giving me words of knowledge and I was like experiencing so much that I didn't understand. But long story short, it led to me being here today with you guys. Um, I just started to, to really listen. I kept a journal. For anybody that needs to hear this, I kept a journal by my bed, a journal with me everywhere I went, and I would write down what I thought I heard God say. And then I, after I heard it three times, I would act on it. And when I acted on it, if God blessed it, then I knew it was of him. If he blocked it, I was like, that's the enemy. <laughs> that was not God, you know? Um, but I learned to hear God's voice and practice that. And part of what I learned in that season and what we're going to talk about today is that I had spent my life following Jesus, um, following God, believing things about him and his word, and I based it solely on what I heard from other people, solely on what I had seen in other people who had hurt me from the church, solely on my experiences, I hadn't taken the time to get to know him for myself. I hadn't taken the time to say, who are you? 
for me? How can we build a relationship, just us two? And so today we're going to really uncover, um, unveil means to uncover, to show for the first time, to reveal. And today we're going to really uncover what does it look like to live a life unveiled before God and unveiled before one another in community. And so um, we're going to be diving into 2 Corinthians 3. I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture, and then we're going to unpack it together as we dive into the text today. So um, I'm reading from the ESV version, 2 Corinthians 3. It's on the screen, or you can open up your phone or your Bible if you brought it. Does anybody bring their Bibles anymore to church? Do y'all do that? You know, some of us do. You go, girl. Ten points for you. You know, (laughs) ten points. All right, let's do this. So, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For there was glory in the ministry of condemnation. The ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that now surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will come with what is what permanent, uh, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to the next." For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I'm going to pray. Um, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to teach from your word, um, to teach what you've given me download and wisdom on. God, I pray that the words I speak be your words. I pray that today every individual in this room hears specifically from you on what they need today, God. I pray that they feel seen, known, understood in this moment right now by you, Jesus, and that you pierce their hearts and remind them that you are for them, not against them, and that they can have true intimacy with you and one another. We love you, Lord. All right, so I'm going to give you guys some context. We just read a lot. So this passage is talking about um, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Old Covenant, Old Testament, Ten Commandments. New Covenant, Jesus, uh, dying, rising again, giving us new life and victory in him. Old Covenant, we had to work and perform, and we had to bring atonement for our sins and sacrifice. It was a perfection-based law. New Covenant, we are the righteousness of Christ. There's nothing we can do to earn that. No matter what we've done in the past, present, future, nothing separates us from the love of Christ. This is the difference between the old and new. It's referencing Moses. If you haven't read uh, Exodus, some of you may have not. I'm going to quickly recap what we're talking about here in Exodus 34. Moses goes up to the Mount of Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. He, you know, sees, you know, God in the, in the burning bush, and he, like, has the Ten Commandments written on stone. When he comes down, from the mountain, his face shines so brightly that the people can't look at him because if they look at him, 
it's too bright. They have to turn away. So, I mean, we, we kind of know the glory of God is really bright. And I, I mean, I imagine at least when I get into heaven, it's going to be blinding, you know, like piercingly bright to be in the presence of God. So similarly, imagine I'm up here and I just encountered God and I, my face is so bright. It's like the sun and you can't even look directly at me. So what Moses did back in the DAY is he got this veil to cover his face so that he could still interact with the Israelites. So after he came down from the mountain, his face is like glowing, shining. He's stunting on them, you know, and then he puts the veil on so he can talk to them. But then he'd go back into the tabernacle to be with, with God. And when he'd go back to be with the Lord, he'd remove the veil to be in the presence of God. And then his face would shine again. And then he'd come out, he'd put the veil back on, right? And the Israelites were like, we can't look at you. It's too bright. The glory's too much. We just can't, we can't behold your face. So you've got to hide it. So what, what Paul is saying is that the old covenant that brought death had that much glory. That the old covenant that was all about rules and religion and legalism and this is what you have to do to enter the kingdom brought so much glory that you couldn't even look at Moses' face. So they had to hide, right? And I believe that this text is communicating one major thing to the church of Corinth at that time because Paul is writing it to the, to the Corinthian church. And he's telling them, hey, you know, you're living in the old and you got to get into the new. Like, step out of the old. It's done. Get into the new. And what he's saying to them is that in order to live in freedom, you've got to be unveiled before the Lord and unveiled before one another. You've got to not live in this place of hiding. And let me unpack what I mean by that. I mean that there are some of you in this room who feel like I can come into the presence of the Lord only so far, but I can't behold him face to face. Because of what I've done last week, because of what I did last night, because of what I know I'm going to willingly do tomorrow. I can only get this close to God. I'm not going to get too close to him because the glory is too much and I know I'm not worthy of it. That's the old covenant. That is not the new covenant we operate in, right? So we all hide. The number one point I'm going to say, number one, one point is that we all hide. So it's in our very nature to hide. We hide from God. We see in, in the beginning, Adam and Eve, what they do, they hid after they sinned, right? After they, they broke the first, um, not really, they just sinned, entered the world. You know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He tried to do that with Eve, and she fell for it, bless her heart. And uh, women were blamed for it for all eternity. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but honestly, it's a, it's a joke at every sermon, but... We're not going to be living like that. We're in the new covenant. Am I right, girls? So Eve and Adam, they break it, um, and they go, they make coverings for themselves, and then they're in the garden, and the presence of God, like the presence of God comes into the garden, and, and what does he say? Like, where are you? Why are you hiding? Where are you? Because it's not our identity to hide, but it's what we naturally do. We see as well with um, Elijah and Jezebel. Uh, in this text, this is in the Old Testament. Elijah's just like stunting on all the people like, oh, your God can do this. Watch my God bring down rain. You know, like he's doing all this amazing stuff. And then he finds out that Jezebel is trying to kill him. So what does he do? He goes to hide in a cave. And when he's in the cave hiding, God comes to meet him. And the text says there was a, an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And there was a fire, but he wasn't in the fire. And then God comes with a soft whisper. And very rarely do we hear that. What did he say in that soft whisper? The word of God says that he said, what are you doing here? 
what are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you hiding? When your kids get in trouble and they know they've done something wrong and they're super quiet, where are they? They're hiding, right? Where, where are you right now when you feel like you've messed up? When you feel like you're unworthy? When you feel like I, there's just no way I can, I, can, I can be in the presence of God right now? You hide, right? My little brother, he's going to be 30. I just revealed my age. I'm over 30. Uh, He's going to be 30 soon, but he, man, bless his heart, had a rough, rough, like, teenage and and college years. And we prayed for his salvation as a family, like, every day, just prayed and prayed, and we believed that God was going to come to him. And I remember the day that uh, he came to Dallas and helped me move, and we went and had burgers and beers, and we were talking, and... uh, he looked me in the eyes and I could, I knew he already had met Jesus. Like my mom had already told me, like he'd given his life to Christ. So we were having a conversation about it. And he said to me, you will never know what it feels like to feel like you're so disgusting to God that you can't come to him. And he said, it took me so long because I knew all the right things I needed to do. I knew the sin I was walking in and I willingly walked in it. I just couldn't believe that God actually wanted me. So it kept him. He was in the old covenant, walking in this lie that's not true, walking in an identity that wasn't true. And the moment that broke, the moment that veil was lifted, when you turn to the Lord, he was able to see the truth that, no, I I actually am worthy. Like, this is the gospel. This is what I can step into. And so what is, what is hide? Why do we hide? I think that's something we need to really kind of dive into is, is we hide because we feel shame. Bottom line, we hide because we feel shame. Adam and Eve, duh, you know, they felt shame. Um, They realized they were naked. Um, Even Elijah, he was scared. He was afraid, so he hid. Your kids, they're afraid. They hide. When we do something wrong and we feel shame, we hide. Shame is a natural human emotion. It is something that is, is in our DNA. We can't run away from that emotion. It's part of... I believe what the spirit uses to convict us, but not for us to stay in that shame and to operate in that shame. One thing I talked to the ladies about on Saturday when we had time together was that when your kid falls or when you hurt yourself and you have a cut um, or you stub your toe, if I'm walking and I like stub my pinky toe, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, allergies. And you're going to grab your toe and you're like, oh, that hurts so much. I can't believe I did that. And you're going to have a moment. If you cut yourself and you're bleeding, you're like, oh, I've got to tend to this cut. Something's, something's up. When we have an emotion that we feel like shame, like anger, frustration, annoyance, we ignore it. But our emotions are indicators that something deeper is going on. Our emotions are just as helpful as the pain we feel on our toe when we stub it, to help us dive deeper into that and to identify what's really going on in my heart so I can move forward and press into this and find healing from it. So similarly, as we talk about hiding, when we hide, there's an emotion tied to that hiding that separates us from God. So we've got to ask ourselves, what's the emotion I'm feeling that's causing me to be separated? Scripture says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of life has set you free. So if there's no condemnation, then there's no reason to hide. If there's no condemnation, there's no reason to hide. If there's no condemnation, there's no reason to hide. The enemy wants you to think you have to hide, but on the other side of your hiding is where you really find true freedom, connection, and experience the power of the gospel. 
The second thing I want to hit on is that our hiding limits our view. One of God and two of one another. Our hiding limits our view, one of God and two of one another. So we read in the scripture, will not the ministry of the spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, which is the law that we've already talked about in the, in the 10 uh, commandments, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that now surpasses it. So what he's saying is that if you can operate in the new covenant, then you're going to have more freedom from these things. But our hiding is what keeps us in the old covenant. So when we hide from God, we limit our view of God. Hiding from God says, God, let me handle this. I got it. I don't need your help. You know, when we hide from God, it says, God, I don't really trust you with this. I'm going to control it. I don't really trust you with my finances, so I'm going to stay in the job I'm in, even though you told me to leave it. I don't really trust you with my children, so I'm going to be OCD about them, you know, and control every part of their life because I don't trust that you're going to actually take care of them. I don't trust you with my, with my spouse, so I'm going to be psycho uh, protective and like checking their phone every second because I have some serious trust issues and I can't just let it go. You know, like whatever it is for you, you're, you're ultimately saying I'm, I'm God by hiding and operating in the old covenant. You're limiting what God can actually do. You're not trusting him with what he does. And ultimately I think the sad part about this and we all do it. I'm preaching to myself. Like I'm not here to say, um, Hey, you're hiding and I don't hide. <laughs> no, I hide. Trust your girl hides. Um, we all hide. We're human, you know? So, but it, what it, when I hit this moment and we're going to get to some of the application, but there's moments in the hiding where I feel this, this conviction and this sadness of like, man, I'm minimizing the power of the gospel right now. Like I'm minimizing the power of the cross. I'm minimizing what Jesus did for me because I want to control the situation. Hiding puts a lid on what God wants to do in your life. Have you been praying for breakthrough? Come out of hiding. Have you been praying that God speak to you and reveal something to you? You've got to come out of hiding. It all is about coming out into the light with him. So with community, it limits our view of God, limits our view of community, right? Hiding in community says they can't handle the real me. Hiding in community says they won't like me if they really know the truth about me. Hiding in community says I'm better on the outside than on the inside, right? They're going to judge me. I'm not worthy. Again, hiding puts you in control, and ultimately it puts a stop on what God wants to restore in your life. If you've been praying prayers like, God, I just really want to experience community and friendship and and deep relationship with someone, then you've got to come out of hiding. You've got to be bold enough to say, I'm going to step out of hiding. I'm not going to be afraid to, to, to do that. Have you been asking God to redeem some broken relationships in your life? Like just waiting for him to do it. Well, what are you hiding from community that's keeping you from even having the opportunity for someone to love you in that, right? So the third point is, is don't hide hope. Don't hide hope. The scripture says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. 
So let's get real for a second. I know I'm talking about a lot of heavy stuff, like I could even feel it. I mean, I'm talking about, hey, expose yourself. And I'm sure a lot of you men are like, this girl is like a female talking to us. Bros don't do this. You know, we don't, we don't do any of that. I mean, I have a, a couple of really good guy friends. They just went to a retreat in Dallas with a bunch of other men and you know, it was whiskeys and bonfire and, you know, trying to be more masculine. And, and when I talked to a couple of them, I said, how'd it go? Like, what was the best part? And all of them were like, the guy asked us, you know, who, who in my life would I sit across the table with a man and cry with and feel comfortable? And they said, I don't have one person. I don't have one man in my life that I feel like I could sit with and just cry. And I want to, but I, I just don't have anybody. And I was like, Yo, I could cry with a woman and, like, <laughs> you're a stranger. I could sit with you and we're crying by the end of, like, coffee. You know what I mean? Like, girls, we got no problem with that. But the reality is our culture has made it so negative for a man to be vulnerable and real with another man and to have a, a connection with them, a, an intimate heart connection. But I believe that, that in Scripture we see that Jesus never shamed people for their emotions, never shamed them when he encountered them and met with them. And secondly, he also showed emotion himself. I mean, even with Lazarus, he cried, he wept. He didn't cry, he wept with Lazarus and he knew he was gonna bring him to life. It was his best friend and he saw the pain in other people. So if Jesus is our example and our image that we're working towards, then we've got to be able to, to choose to not hide and know that when we choose to not hide, that it does require extreme boldness. I don't think it's any accident that Paul literally said in the text, since we have such hope in the new covenant, we are very bold. Like we're bold. It takes extreme boldness to say, I'm struggling with this, or I've never told anybody this, or I need to get this out because if I don't get it out, I'm going to live with it for the rest of my life. And I'm going to, it's going to hold me down. It's going to affect my marriage. It's going to affect how I raise my kids. It's going to affect my future and my legacy. And I've got to tell someone this, I've got to just process it out loud, even to the Lord. And so, um, I want to tell you guys a story. Um, that's honestly, God continues to bring it to my mind for the past year and a half. And um, I'm going to try not to cry because it's so real. It's so tangible for me. But it's, uh, I'll, be, I'll be vulnerable with you guys. We're talking about vulnerability. So um, I'm, I'm 31. I'm Latina. Um, I'm from Texas. I'm small. Um, you know, I've been told my whole life I talk too much. Um, I've always felt a call to ministry, and uh, it hasn't really been until the past, like, two and a half years of my life where God's really accelerated and opened doors and done amazing things, and I've, I've started to believe that he was actually saying, like, he was right. Like, I, I didn't believe him for a lot of my life, and I used a lot of um, just, just the truth and the facts of my life that in the past I'd been rejected and the pattern and the reality that I'm a female, I'm a minority, and I'm trying to like be in this space that's totally white and totally male and totally pale and totally stale, you know? And, and I'm like, there's just no way that like, I'm going to be welcomed in here. And there, I, there was proven, I would get in a space and I would be rejected to my face or I would, you know, have these encounters and these experiences, but I really felt like, no, God, you've, you've given me a call to this. Like, this is something I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And so I'm, um, 
I would have people come to me, you know, and they would uh, give me these words and they would say, Hey, I have a a word for you. And I believe that God is going to do X, Y, and Z in your life. Um, you know, I'm also 31, not married. And I would have people also come to me and say like, Oh, I have a word for you, your husband, you know, and this is your year and you know, God's going to do it. And I had a dream about this. And, um, I got to this point about two years ago where I would hear people would text me or call me or tell me to my face. And in my mind, I would laugh at them. And I would be like, forget you. Like, you're dumb. Like, you obviously don't know my life. You obviously are talking to a different God than I am because none of this is happening for me. I was uh, to the point where I was so over it. I was like, if one more person, God, if one more person, I'm, and, but I still knew I wanted to be obedient. Like, deep down, I was like, I think God has things for me, but I'm like very hostile, you know, hostile in my heart and in my mind. So I remember one day I had a friend, she's a dear friend of mine, super anointed girl. And she sent me this like long voicemail voice message. And she's like, Hey, had this dream about you. And it was this beautiful dream about my future and my family and all this stuff. And I laughed out loud listening to it. And I heard the voice of the Lord almost audibly say to me, do not be a Sarah. Do not be Sarah, be Hannah. And I was like, okay, I know Sarah because, you know, in the Old Testament, God gives a promise to Abraham and and to Sarah, and he says, you know, you're going to have your own child, and I'm going to give it to you. And they're like, in in my wife's old age, you know, in her crusty old age, and uh, God's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And and then a year later, time goes by. I don't remember the exact time, but we know that the angels come to meet them and, and he's talking to Abraham in the tent and the angels again say the promise and you, and Sarah laughs. She's on the other side of the tent listening, eavesdropping in her heart, hoping that it's true, you know, like wanting to know that God's going to do this. She hears it and then she laughs and the angel says, you know, tell, tell Sarah not to laugh at God and his promise. And so then I went and read, you know, I went and read that. And then I went and read through uh, Hannah and her story, you know. And uh, Hannah was a sister wife with Penina. Very weird name, <laughs> Penina, you know, very Bible names, y'all. And uh, Penina has all the kids. And back in that day, you needed to get married and have babies, you know. In Latino culture, it's the same. Why aren't you married? Where are the babies? You know, something's never changed from the Bible, but that's <laughs> where how it was back then. And so... Penina has the kids. She's got, you know, got, got like many of them. Hannah's just wants a kid so bad. Her husband feels so bad for her that when they go to the temple to give the offering every year, he gives her a double portion, it says. So Penina gives hers and he gives Hannah a double portion because he's like, my girl can't produce and I know she wants it so bad and I'm just going to give her a double portion to the Lord and maybe that sacrifice God will, will do something. So uh, poor Hannah goes, you know, and she goes to the, the city gate and she, she goes to pray. And um, when she goes to pray, she's crying out to God, asking for this A year. It says in the scripture, like year after year, she hadn't had it. Like she had gone before and, and year after year hadn't had it. And she's pouring her heart out, crying and looking so ridiculous that the priest asked her if she's drunk. You know, he's like, you must be drunk because something's up here and it ain't right. You know, and she's like, no, I'm not. I just, I'm just praying and so desperate for God to do this. And he hasn't done it, but I'm just crying out to him to do it. And if you know the story, the priest, you know, prays over her, blesses her, says by this time next year, you'll have a child. She does, gives a child back to the God and God fulfills the promise. In both scenarios, God fulfills the promise. 
Like in both scenarios, God does what he says he's going to do. But one, like one did it right and one didn't. You know, one chose to look like a fool and to get probably on her knees messy and cry out and scream and beg God to do something that she felt was impossible. She didn't hide from God in the pain and the hurt and the very thing that she needed redemption and healing from. She didn't hide. She poured herself out before him. And enough so that community noticed. People around her noticed. Some, this girl is desperate for something. This girl's not going to give up. This girl is extreme to see God do something in her life. And he came and said, oh, I'm going to believe with you. Let's go. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight with you. I'm going to do it with you. We're going to make it happen. And so I feel like there, there are times, even this week, even this weekend, where if you saw my journal, you'd be like, this girl's cray-cray, you know? Um, because I've gotten into this habit of saying, God, I'm not going to hide from you with this. I'm not going to hide when everything in me wants to keep it in and hide and not trust you. I'm going to write down exactly how I feel, and I'm going to get physically on my knees before you, and I'm going to ask you again to do something that I don't even think you can actually do. Because isn't that real? Like, isn't that really what it's like sometimes? Like, that's what it means to be real with God. I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't even believe you can actually do, but I'm going to do it anyway. And when you tell a friend and you feel stupid, for telling them, hey, will you pray for me with this? I know that I've asked you like 80 times and nothing's changed, (laughs) but will you believe with me and will you listen to me cry about it? That is the most like vulnerable thing you can do. That is the scariest thing you can do, but I believe there's so much power in that. The end of this scripture says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom to remove the veil, to be in the glory of God, to behold him face to face, to tell him anything and everything and not live in this constant fear that it's, it's not, he's not going to connect with you. He's not going to hear you. He's not going to know how to handle your, your questions, your doubts, your concerns. There's freedom to take steps towards community today. I've met a lot of these people. People here want to know your mess. People here want to enter in with you on the hard stuff. They're not afraid because guess what? They've got mess too, right? We all do. We're humans. (laughs) We're not perfect or we'd be Jesus. And you know, he's not, you know, we're not, we're just not him. And the scripture says we go from one degree of glory to the next, 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 being transformed into the same image into the same likeness, that likeness and image is Jesus, right? And so today, really, I mean, my message isn't too long. It's, it's mostly about in order to live a life unveiled before God and before others, you've got to get real. You've got to come out of hiding. In order to take steps towards that, you know, I can see it on some of your faces. You know exactly what you need to uncover today. You know exactly what you need to tell somebody today. You know exactly what you need to tell the Lord today. And so as we get ready to enter into more worship um, and take time to just gather together and, and pray and process, 
I've said a lot, but mostly what I want you guys to hear today is that the Lord wants you to live in the new covenant. He wants to enter into your mess with you. He wants you to talk about the very things that you're afraid to even vocalize out loud. He wants you to feel safe in his presence. He wants you to feel known in his presence. He wants you to know that there are people around you that you can dive deeper into. And the practical application is just as the text says, we go from glory to glory. It's, it's from step to step. And so today it might be, okay. She said, you know, she, you know, Hannah prayed every, every day and she went and prayed for the same thing and made herself look like a fool. And there's one thing I know I've been asking God for, and I don't believe him in, but I'm going to be real before him today on my own. And I'm going to tell him, God, I don't even believe that you can do this. And I'm so tired of praying it, but I'm going to come to you again and ask for some of you. It's asking for your daughters and sons to come back to him. For some of you, it's asking for freedom from your anxiety and depression. For some of you, it's asking him for a spouse or someone that you've been praying for. For some of you, it's, I don't even know my purpose and I've just been searching and searching and God, I'm going to ask you again. And the second step that some of you need to take is just to ask yourself, who is a safe person here that I I know loves me and is for me that I can go to and just say, Hey, I just want to be I want to unveil this to you, and I know it's safe, and I want to be real with you, and I want to say, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling to believe God is good in this. I'm struggling believe, to believe that God is who he says he is in this. And the reality is that we know that God knows everything, right? I mean, we were told that in church, but what we're not told is that God still wants to hear it all. I think with Hannah, the reason why he blessed her and gave her that and why she was able to have this totally different experience than Sarah is because she knew she could come before him and, and, and ask him, even though he already knew her heart's desires and what she wanted. And so um, I'm going to just close this in a time of prayer. Um, I want you guys to take a moment to just sit um, with your thoughts and to ask yourself that question, what is it that I need to uncover today before the Lord, before community, Am I living in the old covenant or am I living in the new covenant? Am I trying to operate out of my own strength, my own ability, or am I living in the freedom and the righteousness found in Christ? So we'll take a couple minutes and then I'll close us with a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you that we don't operate in an old covenant where we have to perform, where we have to be perfect. God, we just want to take a moment to acknowledge the perfect gift and sacrifice of your son, Jesus, who came, lived, died for us, God, for every sin, for every shortcoming, for everything that we feel we can't possess, God. He he came, lived, and died for it, and then three days later, he rose again, ascended into heaven, and we are awaiting his return, Father. 
God, we know that that sacrifice is what gives us access and intimacy to you. We don't have to turn our faces away from you, God. We don't have to, to, to gaze upon you and feel like your presence is too much for us to bear. But, God, we can come before you with wounds, with disappointments, with heartbreak, with expectation, with fear, with worry, with anxiety, with unknowns. God, we can come before you boldly into your presence and confidently, and we can, we can not only gaze upon your face, but we can tell you exactly what you already know and trust you. Trust that you are working all things together for our good. Trust that you are bringing what you've promised us. Trust that the, the child we're praying for to become saved, God, you're working on their heart and speaking to them even now. God, we trust you that our children that we're worried about, are we raising them correctly? Are they, are they going to turn out okay? God, we trust you and we give them back to you. We surrender them in this moment. God, we trust you with our finances when we're worried about how, are we gonna, how am I going to provide for my family or the baby on the way or the next one coming? God, we surrender it to you and we trust that you are bigger than our fears and our doubts and we vocalize them to you unveiled before you. And we trust that as your daughters and sons, as we sang about God, as a son, we can sit in your lap and trust that you are a good father who provides and comes, comes before us and meets all of our, our needs. As a daughter, we trust that you protect, that you will comfort us and you will be there next to us. And God, I thank you that in this moment, you're even bringing to mind the people in this community who are safe, who are for us, who we can come before and say, come with me, partner with me. I want to unveil this part of my life to you. I need prayer. I know I've asked, but I'm asking again and I'm believing again. I know I look silly, but I'm going to do it anyway because God, that's what you've asked us to do. And so Lord, I thank you that we can operate in this new life, in this new covenant, in this new way, and we can do it in a way just as the mission is to live authentically before you. We authentically give our hearts before you and we trust you. So Lord, I thank you that your word does not return void. I thank you that with unveiled face, we behold your glory. I thank you that today we are one step closer to your image and that tomorrow we're even closer, Father. And I thank you that you've met us, you're for us, you love us, and you're not against us. God, I pray that as we worship, that we encounter you, that you speak to us, Father, and that we continue to just dive into what it looks like to practically follow and be intimate with you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.